Welcome to another Stock Odds podcast. This is Odds and Ends with Dave Singh and Rob Friesen. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Good evening. Sorry we're running a little bit late there for our listeners. Um, busy weekend. But uh, yeah, it's a lot, lots of lots going on. So, so we had um, eight weeks down on the Dow. And mm-hmm. that hasn't happened since when, Dave? Since 1923. So once in a century, we get a streak that that now I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't alive back then, so uh, I don't really know what happened. But the 2001, seven weeks down on the SPY or the S&P 500 index, that one I was there for. So I started trading in 1998 professionally, 1992 uh, retail. Um, so that one I I was. Uh, in the middle of, and it was uh, very, very interesting to have created that, not that I created it, but the bubble was created in 2000, uh-huh. and uh, we started to come down the back side of that, and so we had some really crazy times in uh, 2000, 2001, and even into 2002 a bit before it sort of stabilized, and we saw a tremendous amount of mean reversion, like some of these pairs, you know, great relationships, um, you know, in in multiple industries, multiple sectors, they just came together after being very, very distorted. So that's what bubbles do a lot of times is they distort things. You could have one company, you know, has a PE of 200 and the other company has a PE of 30. And you got to argue, well, why does one have one of two or 300 and the other one, you know, does the same thing It's so little. And it's those kind of things coming back together that happen when market regimes change. And we've really seen that uh, this year so far with all the things going on. So we're, uh, we're in a big macro environment. <laughs> one of the headlines I saw in, uh, Bloomberg was, uh, you know, the the markets are are crazier than they've ever been, right? No, nobody has a clue, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we're seeing, you know, we're seeing some pretty good, you know, metronome type returns from stock odds. Mm-hmm. So, so what what's beautiful about stock odds is that it says, you know, here's all the the performances that have happened and the different indicators and the subsequent behavior after, you know, you get an RSI that's discounted or at a premium or you get, you know, a standard deviation move or you get, uh, you know, a momentum or Connors or, you know, stochastics or percent R, CCI, whatever your favorite stuff is, you get the subsequent behavior after the signal has has lit up and and that's really helping us you know make sense of things is is to drill into the data and to pull out um these things and to give ourselves a little bit smoother performance we've lined up a few ducks meaning we just don't curate only from rsi we like to curate from a number of the indicators and um, and see which symbols match. So that gives us a little bit more uh, durability in the trade and and sort of lower lowers the variance. Isn't that what you found too, Dave? 
No, totally. Because uh, even the, the one signal might be in favor for a period of time, then reverse. So RSA, RSI might be good for two weeks and then not good for another three weeks, right? So right. having a good mix of five to 10 to pull from, right. it, it doesn't mute out the performance. So uh, we're coming into, um, you know, the last week and a bit here of, of May. Um, there's still, you know, there's a lot of things on the horizon still. Um, there's some earnings. I mean, we're, we're through the bulk of the earnings season, but there's still some. So keep your eyes on that. Um, we move into more dividends later in May and June. Um, then we've got the Russell rebalancing um you know, near the end of June there. So uh, institutions are already kind of figuring out which symbols are being added or subtracted from uh, the Russell 1000, 2000, and 3000. And, um, you know, it takes a little bit of hunting around. They will start publishing um, at the beginning of June what the preliminary lists are for the rebalancing. Um, but, you know, we're in that that time uh, before the, the summer July earnings season and, you know, lots of transition can happen between June and July. So I'm leaning more towards that we're not out of the woods. We, we've got another, you know, rate hike coming in June, um, another 50 um, basis points. So that's already, you know, agreed upon. And it's, it's not a surprise, but we, we have to see, you know, how the market likes that, accepts that, you know, <laughs> reacts off that. Uh, but um, I'm still leaning more towards the chance of a summer rally, and I'm not really expecting too much of a, a bounce before that. Uh -huh. um, and I could be wrong about the summer rally too, it might be nothingsville, but, um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it catches everybody. Do you mean from like June 1st on or something more like July? No, I mean, I'm talking about more July when the earnings, because like what will happen is based on some of these other earnings that we've seen, like Target, Walmart, all this stuff like that. Um, I would think people would be expecting, you know, the worst maybe. Um, and then if you start to get some, you know, good earnings, you know, banks and brokers kind of lead the charge. Uh, that can set the tone if if they're, you know, performing well. Uh, we might uh, kick into a rally, and it's happened before, you know, when nobody expected it. So I'm I'm keeping that uh, on my list. But back to the seasonality that starts on Tuesday, and the problem with this particular month-end seasonality, it's split by the long weekend, and so the last trading day of the month is on Tuesday but you have the holiday Monday. So uh, just keep that in mind. It can interfere a little bit with it, um, but Dave's put together some stuff here to talk about for the last five days. Why don't you get into that? Yeah, I did some work earlier this evening. Um, the last five days of the month, the spider is expected to do 0.25% return. But of that, the last three days are actually down minus 0.15%. And the last day itself is expected to be minus 0.45%. So what that's indicating is that that return for the final five days is kind of weighted towards the front two days of that five-day window. So in, in this case, it would be this Tuesday and Wednesday might be all the bang in, in those two days, and then kind of weaker the rest of the, the, the days. And uh, within that, 
I look to see which sectors on in ETFs would be stronger than the spider or weaker than the spider based on stock odds data. And for to things to be longer are real estate, uh, the chips, the socks, SMH, utilities, um, biotech, QQQ, XLK, small caps, IWM, diamonds, materials, financials, industrials, healthcare, and discretionary, and even ARC, ARC-K. And things to be shorter are actually oil, USO, XOP, and XLE, gold, GLD, GDX, GDXJ, silver, and uh, XLC and XLP. So it, it's a bit of a risk on with the sectors there. Uh, some of the defensive ones like um, uh, XLP are weaker. So you have that kind of undertone there to expect in this, this last five-day window. So come, and we're, and we're seeing a bit of that right now, right? The Nasdaq's up uh, strongest of the, the three compared to the Dow and the S&P 500. Well, and, and coming coming off this, you know, major discount uh, exactly. of, you know, eight weeks with the Dow and uh, seven weeks with a spy, uh, you know, people are going, well, you know, I've missed, I've missed the comeback tour before. I've missed these opportunities, you know, this time around, I, I don't want to miss it. Um, and so I, I would expect we could have a bit of a relief, um, mm-hmm. you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, even maybe possibly Thursday. Then uh, Friday, you've got the problem of, uh, you know, thinking about the long weekend, maybe some risk. Um, and once you're finished here, I'll bring out something that's in the in the possible works here to uh, to impact us here a little bit more. But why don't you finish up there? Yeah, and like you're saying, coming from a discounted position, like over the last three months, technology is down 16.9%. And over the last month, it's down 12.2%. So tech is discounted so much, especially the chips, that um, a rebound rally is, is likely. And especially with the stats here in uh, the Almanac. But uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, we're still year to, year to date down quite a bit on the Qs, 27%. On the Diamonds, 14% down. Spider, 17%. So we are pretty sold off, but um, we don't know. <laughs> it could be either way. Well, definitely. Um, so one of the things that's, you know, possible concern is um so you can you can look it up yourself read about what's going on but um the israel's conducting the chariots of fire uh which is all all segments of its idf um military navy everything um and so they're rehearsing for a potential attack on iran um, the reason is the intelligence says that Iran is installing 1,000 centrifuges, and that's to enrich u- uranium. So um, they're really close to, um, you know, producing enough high-grade uranium to to make a good-sized bomb, which would be uh, possible within within a few weeks, actually, for uh, at least a small quantity, but um, what I've heard is that uh, you know Israel uh, looks at it as an opportunity to deal with it now. Versus if you don't take this opportunity, then um, you know it might be too late in a, in two or three four months. So so we we're kind of at the door of that. Um, it's it may never happen. I don't know. 
but if it does, it might impact some of the groups that you were talking about, Dave. Um, so we're expecting oil to be a bit weaker in the last three, four, you know, one, two, three days of the month, maybe. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe not so much right away, but maybe uh, towards the end of the month, they're supposed to be weaker. But if we get something else happening, um, it could it could change that same thing with gold. You know, there might be a bit of flight to safety that way, too. It's not as strong as it used to be. It's usually money. You can see money going into the U.S. dollar as a safe haven. Uh, but. Uh, there's also the China implication of like we see when they're locking down things more that oil tends to suffer and when they're opening it up, oil tends to rally. So and it's still all in, in pretty good flux there. Um, you know, there's three three major cities kind of locked down, but there's 47 other big cities that aren't. So um, anyway, just keep your eye on that. And, you know, like they have a small amount of cases. It's not like they have tons and tons of cases, but they just have this policy of uh, zero COVID, right? Yeah. So the curbs are definitely uh, impacting things. And there's about 180 com companies that are directly impacted by these lockdowns. You know, you've heard uh, the Tesla uh, one and now the 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 workers in the factory there have to, you know, and men, this is happening with many factories is that they, they live there, you know, they, they don't go home in between. It's a, it's called a closed loop, right? Yeah. So you have to, you have to eat, sleep and breathe factory in order to uh, keep your job and produce. So, um, so it's definitely, you know, an interesting macro environment globally and well, we we you know we have to work with with what we got. So you know, coming in in the morning, you could have your lists already prepared to go. And I was mentioning to Dave earlier when we were just chatting a little bit before. Um, one of the one of the issues that I find is if I have a uh, very defensive list um, because it looks like. There, there, we have a risk-off environment. Sentiment is pretty bad. Maybe the futures are down a little bit. I could have a risk-off list, and some of those value stocks and those defensive stocks actually open up. So in order to get them on, you're paying up when the market's actually opening down. And the problem with that is when those stocks start sliding and filling the gap, you know, before before you you know you even had a chance for the day, you're already underwater a little bit. So so this is a little bit of a tension. So I would recommend that you be looking at your symbols and see how much they are indicated to open. If there's any trades on Arca prior to the open, but are they indicated to open up a lot? You know, because on a down open and you're paying, you know, one or one and a half or two percent up, it could it could end up, you know, causing you to have a, a worse day than you might like. You can still hedge, mm -hmm. but you're already like eh, kind of fighting that pullback. There is one option, and that is if you see that. Then hold off and don't take the opening print, make it a watch list and say, I'm 
you know, as I get some discount to these things, then I'm going to become interested. At the same mm -hmm. time, if you had a risk on list list and you saw that the market opened down and now some of the technology stocks are starting to get traction, like they really want to rally back, you could start grabbing some of those. Or you could split the list and say, I've got some risk on and I've got some defensive. Um, I'm you know, going to be careful about paying up too much on the defensive, but some of these ones that look like they're opening flat, I'll take those. I'll take some of these discounted tech stocks and then I've got a better blend. We always see with basket trading that if, if you are too much on one theme, it can end up you know, being a problem. It can, it can really work or it might backfire. And so what is, what, is, what is thematic? Well, one theme would be you only have growth stocks. You only have high volatility, more speculative, you know, really great growth opportunities, but nonetheless, they're not considered value stocks, right? So that's a theme, you're all in growth. Another theme would be you're all in value. You're in really defensive, low beta, you know, kind of like, yes, they have earnings, yes, they have dividends, but you're just value. Another theme what might be that, you know, you are really concentrated in oil and, and that you could have a day when oil does amazing or you could have a day when oil pulls back a lot. Um, so it's always about this exposure and when in doubt, try to pick only a few items from each group and be more diversified. And if it's an okay day, you'll still do probably pretty well, maybe not as good as the NASDAQ 100, you know, or good as the SPY would do because it's still fairly tech-weighted. You may not do as good as that, but you're going to still make money without hedging. Now, if it's a pullback type of day, that list still is recommended to be hedged, even though it might qualify for having some alpha over the market if the market pulls back. Like if the market pulls back 2%, you, your portfolio might only pull back 1%, so you have alpha over the market. But by hedging, you're going to cut your losses so you don't lose 1%. You know, most often you are more insulated. So I hope that helps. Um, but it, just be careful of how thematic you are accidentally, as well as how thematic you are on purpose. And with that, you have to accept the risk that you're taking because it may work really well and it may not. Sound good? Yeah, good advice. Well, it's just, it's the, the tr curating the, the, the symbols that you want to trade is one part of it. And you might have some great ones. And even, you know, using uh, stock odds, you can approach it so many different ways. So it's your imagination, your, your knowledge, all can be utilized. But then there's the execution part and what the market's doing the next morning. So if you want to be production-based every day, you've got to factor in, you know, is the market gapping up? Is it gapping down? And the approach is going to be different. So, like, the, the best thing that could have happened to us for tomorrow morning would have been, like, well, we had 
eight weeks down in a row, the world is ending and the sentiment is horrible. Uh-huh. Like there's not a, you can't find a bull anywhere. And we gap down. Uh-huh. Maybe the Dow's down 500, 600 points. And then you see the plunge protection team or the buyers come come roaring in. Okay. You know, it's those type of days that can be just spectacular. Um, but it's the, the problem is when you kind of open more flattish and then you start like, you know, just chopping around and then slowly drifting down and you have an orderly sell off, but it's like, it's not capitulation either. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. It's just an orderly sell off. Um, so let's look at what the futures are doing right now before we sign off here. Um, the Dow Jones futures are up 163 points right now, uh, 0.52%. When we opened at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time, uh, we shot up right away. And then we've just kind of been kind of sideways trying to hang on to that uh, that gain. Um, the S&P 500 is up 0.71%, so a little bit more uh, percentage-wise, 27.75 points. NASDAQ is up almost a full 1% at 0.91, up 107.50. So as Dave said earlier, it is doing the best. Russell is up 0.74, up 13 points. The VIX is at 29.05. We did have a spike on Friday up into the 31.75 roughly. So over 30. Um, Dave, you mentioned that a lot of talking heads that you see are, you know, saying, hey, we need a VIX of 40 to see capitulation. But I so don't many know. Are say, so many are saying the same thing. But I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know that that does it. And I don't know what the bottom looks like. Like we don't, we're not going to know the bottom for sure. The point is, normally you get a big capitulation event that kind of sets a bottom, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think one discouragement for investors right now is like when you have one day up and one day down, and then some mm-hmm. people called for a bottom a week ago, and that turned out not to be. Um, and so they get a little bit discouraged and people tend to hold back. And if they're not willing to put money to work, um, then, you know, you don't have that buy side support and you might in fact still have sellers out there, which drives it down even further. So it wouldn't surprise me to have another down week, um, being that we that we're going into a long weekend, people might want to, you know, even cut back a little bit more. We are in May. You know, you've heard of sell in May and go away. We are in May, so it's not generally one of the most bullish months of the year anyway. Um, And we've got still a lot of risk factors out there. So, you know, my call is, uh, you know, hey, if there's a bounce and people want to participate, take it. But I I wouldn't be surprised if the hot money come for the day comes back out near the end a little bit. Um, and it also doesn't surprise me like we had on Friday. We were down and then we had a bit of a short covering rally right at the end of the day in the last 30 minutes of the day. That doesn't surprise me either. You have to be prepared for that. When you have a down session and it's kind of a chugging away, um, you know, last bit of the day, 
don't be surprised about a short covering rally in the sense that people, you say, okay, well, I, ha I made some money here on the short side. And you can tell that a lot of people are pressing the short side when you look at the volumes in SQQQ, which is the long inverse, or in SDS, which is the, the SPY long, long inverse two times, right? You can see the volumes that are in those. Um, so there's people using it just to trade directionally on the short side, but they end up, yeah. they don't want to take it overnight. So some of that comes back up. Anyway, hope this yakin has helped you guys. Um, thanks, Dave, for your time and uh, have a good day and a good week, okay? All right, good luck. Thanks.